My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 178 of Legally Clueless. I'm super excited to have you listening to the podcast. Make sure you officially join the fam on LegallyCluelessAfrica.com. You can sign up there, join our community. You can get to watch our video series. Season 3 has just begun. I'll tell you more about that a little later. Yeah, so just go to LegallyCluelessAfrica.com. You can also catch up with our workshops and events there. However, this is what you can look out for coming up a little later in this episode like one of the reasons we took a break was my mental health was in the crapper we were at the peak of our podcast and then we took a break that was meant to be a couple of months and it ended up being a year and a half and part of the reason why we had to take a break was there was just a lot happening in my life because my mental health wasn't well wasn't right already I was just making a lot of bad decisions some days I couldn't get out of bed some days I was literally contemplating suicide there were days I was a whisker away from doing it. I started therapy and then it's like a, a weird thing where like you've been suffering all your life and then you figure, oh, wait, I didn't really have to suffer that much. So I had the idea, I did the logo, I took two days off work, I designed the website. I don't even think I communicated with that. That's how bad my communication was. I think like when I was, was. done designing. <laughs> was. <laughs> that is Dan and Phil from Zimbabwe, two of the most hilarious people I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> And their amazing story of how they grew to be the number one podcast in Zimbabwe is coming up a little later in this episode. Now, speaking of stories that we absolutely love, I have been binging on the brand new Guinness Black Shines Brightest Stories. It is a brand new show, which is a behind the scenes look at how just like different Africans who are really pioneering in the fashion industry and in food and music and arts are doing it like what are their stories where do they begin what challenges did they overcome and these are people who are really breaking new ground quite a few of them are my faves <laughs> but one of my favorite faves is sweetie Nyarkano. i love that chick i'm slightly addicted to tiktok and hers is a channel that i go to often she does a lot of content around understanding who we are as africans our ancestors, our belief systems, our values, things that drove us away from there. She has a fashion line that also speaks the same thing through her designs. And when I watched her episode in the Guinness Black Shines Brightest Stories, there was so much about her that I didn't know. I didn't know when she put up her first video, she was actually struggling to pay the rent for her workshop. She had left a job that wasn't fulfilling. I didn't, I didn't know the backstory. I didn't know the backstory. I was just like, consuming the product you know and through this show i got to have a deeper appreciation for her i mean listen to this i started my online platform as an accident it came out at a point where i couldn't even pay the rent to this house i had quit my job because of you know i i felt like i wasn't being appreciated um i had a boss who would I would create stuff and she would criticize them so much, telling me that that no one would love my stuff. So I I stopped working with them and the transition was so difficult for me. Because my, my first video I remember I created a video and when I woke up the next day it had blown out of proportion. Ugh. 
like at this point when I watched this I was literally like trying to hold back my tears I just felt so happy for her in terms of like what she's overcome to get to where she is now and then the thing that is even more powerful about her is that she's only just beginning so can you imagine her in like five years and how powerful she'll be. Anyway, you need to watch the episode. So what I've done is in the show notes, I've put a link to the Guinness Kenya YouTube channel. Her episode is there. So many other dope African creators have been featured in their own episodes. Check it out. I'm sure you love it because here we love African stories, right? So go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Okay, let's jump into the song of the week. I'm actually quite embarrassed that I haven't shared this particular... (sighs) peace with you i've really tried to remember if i've shared it or not and that i haven't it's just so shocking because i really love it (laughs) and it's a piece by one of my favorite poets she's from nigeria she also happens to be someone i know personally her name is titi lope sonuga oh my goodness like when my poetry grows up it wants to be like hers (laughs) that's how awesome she is so she has this entire project that just has such powerful pieces it's available on like music streaming apps but the one song get me calling it a song well it has music but it's really spoken word poetry i don't know it's just art um that i want you to check out is called swim Mm, me let me tell you this particular piece it does things to me like she writes so beautifully and then like the background music just adds another level of energy and and the music video is so oof at a music video whatever the video (laughs) it's so beautiful so i'll put a link to it in the show notes if you're listening on a platform that doesn't have show notes just go to whatever music streaming app you use and search titi lope sonuga literally spelled the way you pronounce it and look for swim you will not regret it okay so let me do a bit of a life update y'all i'm in my house i'm in my house i'm in my house (laughs) so apology they might be a bit of a an echo because i'm in what is my office But because I moved in last night, I haven't been able to like really move things around, put up my heavy curtains, you know, do what I need to do to ensure my sound is dope. But I'm in my new house. I'm in my new house. Okay, so backstory, in case you haven't listened to the other episodes, I really didn't like living in Nairobi. There was just so much noise. I mean, you even knew the voices of my neighbor's children (laughs) and their water pumps. But that was not the only reason. I kind of was going through a transition and I just needed to isolate. I needed to hear my own voice, come home to myself and really just reconnect with me. There was just so much noise around me. And since I'd been thinking about moving out of Nairobi for the longest time, it just felt like this was the best time to do it. And I found this house by Flooks. I was going to move down to the coast. (laughs) Imagine, I'd already gotten an agent who's looking for houses in Diani, which is like my favorite place on earth. And then I stumbled on this house, which is like this old, I hate saying colonial style, but it's like the only word that makes you envision it. House in the middle of so much greenery. And it was exactly what I'd been looking for for like four months but when we found it it was pretty run down it needed a lot of work to be done on the flooring the ceiling like right now we're still doing the landscaping but the house is done and it's like painted and it's like 
mine and it's just cute and oh my goodness the master room oh not even the master room the bathroom in the master bedroom so my bedroom is like the size of the master in the apartment i lived in in nairobi <laughs> That's how much space. Like, I have so much space. I was telling my friend, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I have a free room, you know? So I'm thinking I'll probably, in a couple of months, get back to my drum lessons. So I want to save up for a drum kit. It can fit in there. It can be, like, my dressing up room. <laughs> I'm going to have a dressing up room. Oh, my God. That's not going to help my shopping addiction. But whatever. <laughs> Yes, I'm just super excited. So last night was my first night sleeping in here, trying to get used to the noises. There were no creaks. I think I only had a creak once and I think it was towards the morning because my bedroom bathroom, <laughs> my bedroom bathroom isn't an instant shower. It's a boiler, but it has a timer. So it kind of like switches on at specific hours. So I think it was that, but also... They're like wild animals. <laughs> There's a night I came home late and I saw what was either a mongoose, a bush baby, or a skunk. It was nighttime, poor visibility. I'm a reforming city girl, so I do not know all my animals so well. But it could have been a wild animal, just like scratching on the roof. <laughs> And there was once, there's so many bunnies. Apparently, there are also a lot of porcupines. I don't know if that should alarm me. And then another night I was driving home and there was an owl in the middle of the road. Like what sort of storybook madness is that? It's just, ugh. Anyway, so I'm super excited. This is a house I've always wanted in my head. And now here it is, you know. I just, I'm just trying to really absorb that. After so many years of trying to conform and just live life a certain way to please others. And by the way, I'm not blaming others here. It was me who had decided to live for others. After so many years wasting doing that, like now finally I'm like, ah, oh, we don't have to do that. We can design our own life. And so I moved in on Saturday night. So once the movers were done, I went to do some grocery shopping. And when I was driving back home, I cried. <laughs> One, because I'm dramatic and I cry a lot. But two, because I was so proud of myself. One, earlier that day, we'd had a fantastic yoga event. It was so beautiful. You know, like I could tell and the feedback from all the women who attended they were just feeling so, so much fuller, which was what I had said success looks like for me with that event. To be quite honest with you and transparent in terms of business, the business didn't make a profit from that event. And I knew we were not. And I also know, yes, you have to balance out things. So eventually it can bring in revenue. But I want it more than anything to leave the women who attended, the African women who attend these yoga well-being events of ours, feeling fuller and oof, I felt fuller. Meditation, amazing. The body movements were so good. I have a yoga mat now and see, I have so much space. So I'm going to be doing my yoga movements every morning. And then the sharing circles. Ah, that was my favorite. You know, those deep, deep things are my jam. <laughs> it was so wonderful. And yeah, so I'd done that in the morning. Then I'd moved in the evening. So I'm driving back home from grocery shopping. I just start crying and I'm like so proud of myself. I had done this whole renovation process myself, like dealing with fundies. What's fundies in English? The workmen. Is it workmen? Work, work, 
people <laughs> to be politically correct but you know what i mean the people working on the house who can be very hard to like manage i did it and you know i was thinking about words negative words that have been used on me specifically like i had an aunt who always used to call me lazy just different words from especially people who were close to me and I'd internalize those words and I think I got emotional because I was like that's not me it's who they think I am for whatever reason but that's not me and I have the power to decide who I am and I don't have to subscribe to somebody else's definition of me especially when it's negative so I was just like wow I've really risen above all of those internalized words and then I was also crying because I felt very alone eh I don't even know how to catch you up in this grief thing. First and foremost, I've been so scared of super opening up about it to you because I'm like, sis, it's been 10 years since your mom died. The project manager in me had hoped I would be further along in healing, but the realist and the more gracious and human part of me is like, you can't project manage emotions, you can't project manage grief. You just meet yourself where you are, even if it's 50 years from now. And it's been 10 years and what I've been doing for the 10 years, which is just like so wild because I didn't didn't realize I was doing it, is I was trying to look for my mom and others and like force other people to behave exactly the way my mom would behave. And when they fell short of that, it would just be heartbreaking for me which is very unfair of me to expect from others, one. Two, I found that I was behaving like my mom to others. So like checking up on everybody, even like my older relatives, just doing the most, which was very depleting and exhausting. And then it was also not honest of me because in the moment I thought I was doing it because I truly cared but now I'm confronting the very uncomfortable truth of I was doing it because I wanted them to do that for me so I don't know if I was being genuine and all of that I was doing just to kind of mask the truth that this woman is gone and just confront the loneliness that comes with grief and it's a thing it's real you do feel lonely. A huge relationship is yanked from you unexpectedly, permanently. You didn't do anything wrong. <sighs> you can't even like social media stalk them undercover. No, like it's it's done. It's gone. There is just this strong loneliness that comes with it that I feel like I've been running away from for so long. And now it's like, boom, I have to confront it. So yeah, I, I just, all of those emotions and I was just like crying. <laughs> but all the tears went as soon as I got into my house like it's so cute like the front part has like a little room that has this wooden door that's in half and i'm gonna fill it up with plants and it's how that room is situated you get both the sunrise and the sunset it's right at the front and i i just need to start saving for like cute statement chairs once i got to that room i the tears just dried up and i was like whatever this is a beautiful space anyway so that's my life update I'm, I'm really excited about it okay so let's jump into 100 african stories we are off to zimbabwe i recorded this story when we were in zim in harare to be specific and it's the host of zimbabwe's number one podcast it's called two broke twimbos and they are dan and phil absolutely wonderful gents they are so funny <laughs> They're just so funny and I thought this is the best time. I've been trying to figure out when the best time to drop this particular um, story or conversation and I just couldn't like 
figure out when, but we've just launched our digital content workshop, which is helping people get into this space. And I feel like one, their story is powerful across the board, regardless of what industry you're in. But if you are thinking of starting some form of digital media, starting to create them, starting to create that, this is definitely a story you want to listen to. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. I'm Danny, that guy. I'm Phil Chad, and we are from Zimbabwe. And we are the podcast Two Broke Twimbos. One, two. Are we supposed to be natural? <laughs> Breathe. Yeah. yeah. That was good. That was good. That was, that was good, right? That was, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, Twimbos was a term coined by Tawanda Nyagawa back in... AKA Tar 3000. Back, back in 2009. In the early days of Twitter, which is Zimbabweans on Twitter. Zimbos on Twitter, mm. Twimbos. Mm. Some today mistakenly use the phrase, twi- what, what do they call it? Zwitter. No, that's disgusting. It's, honestly. The, that's that's it's, an abomination. It's actually and... disrespectful to the pioneers of mm. Twitter in yeah. Zimbabwe. Our fallen heroes did not tweet. For people to say Zwitter, what is that? Come on. Twimbos. Zimbos on Twitter. Yeah. Clean. Simple. Get it right. Honestly, we've we've known each other from before. We've known each because I mean, yeah. family friends. Yeah, fa- fa- family yeah. friends, the church. So we'd always known off each other, and we'd always meet up, and we always need to crack the same type of jokes. And then Twitter came out. I think it was 2008, 2009, and at the same time, Econet was launching their 3G network. So as a trial run, it was like 25 bucks, and you'd get unlimited internet for the whole month. Sometimes you don't even have to pay, and you still have unlimited internet. So we found ourselves in dead, boring jobs and all we do all day was just tweets and then we just naturally coalesced. So there was, there was a small group of us. There was like Dan, myself, um, there was Ten Diamond who was a rapper. There was a guy called Langa who's now doing amazing things at a $2 billion company, which we will not name because they haven't paid us. Um, there was well, Tuanda Nyagawa. paid them. Well, yeah, all of us. Like, no, <laughs> we all eating. We all eating. If they come knocking, we all eating. Yeah, so there was a small group of us and then we used to have a thing called Comedy Thursdays and we, we just, like literally every Thursday, we'd wake up and just crack jokes the whole day. And then there was another thing on the weekends with the Americans who we started following called Rambling-ish Weekend, but not so PG. And we just roast each other all weekend. And we just started building a community of trash talkers and then that's how we started. It, it was wild because it was still the early days of Twitter. So not a lot of people on Twitter. And even when people tried it, they were like, people, lots of people opened their Twitter accounts in like 2008, 2009, because they saw all the news headlines. Ah, oh, Celebrity A says something on Twitter. Oh, Twitter must be happening. Then they open it and it's just like, they made the mistake of probably following, I don't know, Britney Spears or something. Who, who was on Twitter back then? No, I remember Lady, Lady Gaga was the big name. Lady Gaga yeah. and Katy Perry were the big so names. If you follow those people, Twitter's boring because there's no pictures, there's no story. It's just there. Uh, so at some point, there was a small group and I, I swear there must have been no more than 500 to 1,000 people in the whole country on Twitter. And then it was similar stories in different parts of the world. So there were these little pockets of people that were very active on Twitter, telling jokes, telling stories, sharing stories. Mm. Just this, literally two nights ago, I got a message from one of our American friends. Never met him. He's Mexican in... Oh, he messaged me too. Yeah. Oh. I think it was Thanksgiving. That's what oh, yeah, so he was like, like, I'm thankful for my, my African, African brother. Yeah, he, like, he sent us the same message though. <laughs> Eddie. See you, Eddie. (laughs) So these are people we've never met, but because it was these Mm -hmm. small communities on Twitter, Mm -hmm. we all sort of just like shared stories of what's happening in America, what's happening in Zim, what's happening in South Africa and Australia. There's a group of Australian girls. 
Yeah, they were, they were a problem. <laughs> they were a problem. Oh yeah, shout out to even our Kenyan brother Terry Wanderi from Kenya. Terry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it was it was this small community that mm. it was weird because it was a small community that sort of felt like we had like a relationship with each other, even though we didn't really, and because we knew each other already, so there was already that connection. We did a few things on Twitter, a few things online. Um, some Phil has mentioned some of them, but eventually, at some point, we started or we decided that wouldn't a podcast be a great idea? And it was something we spoke about for years before we actually did it. But it was we were sort of thinking in that direction. Phil initially was the one who was pushing for it, and I was like, eh, it sounds like a lot of work. I don't know. But eventually we did it. So, like, when I initially had the idea, I'd been listening to podcasts since 2005. Um, I remember I got a Nokia N95, and it came preloaded with a podcast app. And, like, the first podcast I ever listened to was This Week in Tech, because it was the featured podcast. I was like, wait, this is actually a really dope concept. So I started listening to more and more podcasts. But it only really became, like, real to me as something that I wanted to do when I started listening to The Combat Jack Show. Because he would have these two, three-hour long conversations with, like, the, the founders of hip-hop or, like... Um, established rappers and stuff and I had been blogging at the time and I, I felt very limited in the medium of, of writing because even then like whenever I was doing a written interview it was I'd send an email with a list of questions and then the, the publicist would send back the answers to those questions so it was very interactive and, and I was getting incredibly frustrated with that and then I started switching to doing IM interviews and this was before like WhatsApp really took off so like I was like okay give me a Gmail and then I sent out a Gmail and then I start chatting to Manifest, like, how is your new album going? And then Manifest would respond. Sometimes it would take a week for that interview to be done because they'd pop in and pop out. And then from that, I was like, okay, guys, we need to start the podcast. And also because a lot of artists would hit me up and be like, Phil, we love what you're doing with the African hip-hop blog. Why can't you do something like that for non-hip-hop artists? And we were in a group. Um, there were three of us. And I pitched the idea. And the third person was like, nah, this isn't really going to work. But Dan was, as he just mentioned, he was kind of lukewarm on it. But it was also perfect because Dan was on radio and he was able to, to get us access to a radio studio. So even like in the early days, people didn't know that they were coming for an interview on a podcast. They thought they were coming to be interviewed on radio. So in their mind, like, I'm going to the radio station. I'm sitting down for the interview. Cool. And a week or two weeks later, we'd send them a link. I'm like, oh, I thought this was going on air. Like, a lot of them <laughs> even thought it was live. <laughs> the other thing, what Phil is saying as well is, so the radio station I was on at the time, commercial radio, everything was 30 seconds, 45 seconds, three minutes. I mean, we don't really have a lot of documented stories in Zim. And I think it's a problem probably for a lot of other African countries as well. But in terms of where did it start? How did, what did you do next? You know, in America and Europe, oh, they have features and documentaries and three-hour Netflix specials and 12-episode limited runs. And, and here we just don't. The only thing we have is a three-minute radio interview you have when you're releasing your new single. So I remember at the time when he mentioned it, I loved the idea that, yo, like we could really speak to these and really talk to them. But I didn't think they would be interested. And what Phil is saying actually is that was kind of the cheat code. Like a lot of them thought, like we tell them, hey, this is for Two Broke Twimbos. And they're like, oh, nice. What, what time does it air? We're like, it is any time you wanted to. We, we'll let you know <laughs> soon. Please take a seat. <laughs> and the good, we asked also, so we had to ask for permission from the radio station to use the studios. Mm. So they said you can use it after, like if, if it's not being used by the radio personalities and if it's like after hours and so on. But I think that was also because in their head it was like, oh, these little kids are trying to do something. So it, it, everything sort of worked great. It was difficult to do, I won't lie, because we, we had to like manage our times and mm. make sure that everything is connected at the right time, right? Understatement much? Yeah. Yeah, it was, so it was a lot. <laughs> to, to explain how difficult it was, so I had the idea and then even till to today, I always build the plane while flying it. 
So I had the idea. I remember I came up, I think I'd come up for, it was like Shoko Festival, right? And then we had figured out a test website and we tested the, the, the link. We recorded like a two minute clip and then we got approved for Apple. So like, okay, first step done. And then that put the battery in my back. I went back home. I had this vision as I was traveling of like adapting. Do you remember the Beano comics? Do you ever read the Beano? So I used to be a big Beano fan. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the Beano logo, repurpose it, make it the old Two Broke Twimbles logo. She has no idea what the Beano comics are. She's like, yeah, keep talking. <laughs> she does, okay? She knows about Dennis and Asher. So um, I spoke to my, my graphic designer. And shout out to him. He's been working with me for what? As long as I've Longer than the podcast, actually. Like six, seven, eight years. He was another one of early Twitter, by the way. Yeah, shout, shout out to, to, to Tinder Genia. But yeah, so I had the idea. I did the logo. I took two days off work. I designed the website. I don't, think, I don't even think I communicated with that. That's how bad my communication was. I think like when I was, was. done designing. <laughs> was. <laughs> um, I, had, I designed the website and I just sent down the link. Like, yo, I've designed the website. This is what it's going to look like. And then that was like, this nonsense, oh, yeah, cool. And then I had this idea, okay, we need to start in March. But at the time, I lived in a totally different city. So every time I traveled to Harare, I'd either come with my car, and I think that at the time the car was down, so I used to catch buses. And I had a job, so I could only come on the weekends. And Dan lined up like three interviews. For the first three interviews that were actually done was just Dan, but it was two broke twimbles. So that was called Joshua Ngube, which you had to do twice. Uh, <laughs> we had forgotten to press record. <laughs> And the thing is, like, Carl, Carl made sure people knew. Because he's like, oh, Dan, thanks for asking me that question again. So and Carl, that's Carl's a comedian. So at the time, he was really, like, making a big name for himself. He was, like, getting invited to, like, festivals or whatever. Like, oh, great. We get, and he was also a friend, right? So we were like, hey, can you come? And he knew it was a podcast. So the thing is, we went through the whole interview, like an hour and a half or something. I was like, ah, oh, thanks, man. All right. Oh. <laughs> Where are the files? <laughs> Listen, Carl. Uh, <laughs> hey. How much time you got? And yeah, like Phil's saying, he was, if you go back and listen, it's one of the first episodes. He literally was, as I just said, <laughs> every answer. I was like, wow. Thanks, so, man. and I think by the fourth interview, I was able to come for that weekend. And then we did Amara Brown. And I, I think it was also Take Fizzo and Tatea that weekend. Mm. And then we had like our first month and a half of episodes. And then for the first few months, that was the routine. Like we'd wait till the weekend, we'd line them all up. And then I'd catch the bus to Araria. So I'd leave work like 5 p.m catch the bus, get here like 9 p.m., crash either at Dan's place or like a friend's or a cousin's place. Saturday morning, we go and record, maybe record on Sunday as well, catch a bus back to, uh, to Matari, get straight to work. And then while I'm at work, I had an earphone in and, <laughs> and I'm editing while I'm at work <laughs> dealing with customers. And that, that, that was the routine until I moved. And then we started recording at the radio station. Till today, we go into meetings with marketing execs. And they're like, okay, so what's a podcast? So it's like a radio show. And that's how we have to frame it. Yeah. It's a radio show, but it's on all the time. And you can download it and listen to it whenever you want. And they're like, what? Is that possible? And it's not just the, the advertisers or potential advertisers, even guests. A lot of times, so, there's so many times that I'm sure guests left without knowing they were on a podcast. Because we try and explain and they'll be like, so whose show is it going to be on? And you're like, you know, it's all good. We'll let you know. We'll send you the link. And we were, we were in a good space because I think when, whenever people are starting out in something like podcasting or any kind of digital or YouTubing or whatever, you, you don't really have the name to pull big interviews. But we were able to because a lot of people assumed it was for radio or maybe they just knew me from radio. They knew Phil from the, from the blog. So it was just like, hey, can we get you for something else? In fact, there were several high profile interviews we did where literally 
I would call Phil and I'd be like, listen, Casper uh, your vest is doing an interview at the radio station. So just come hang around outside. As soon as he's done with the interview, we're just going to, we're just going to like quickly grab him. In fact, that was a story with Casper your vest. We were just like, oh, we're just going to quickly record something. Thanks, thanks. And his manager's like, wait, what? And we closed the, the studio door and locked it. And then we're now in the studio with, it's just me, him and Casper. And we recorded a full, I don't know, 40 minute episode. And the, and the manager's just banging on the door, pointing at his watch. And we're just like, yeah, coming, coming. And we recorded a full dope episode. So a lot of it was, most people didn't know what we were doing, but you know, you just have to record. Once you record them, you'll figure it out with the audio later. Now, thankfully, we've been around a lot. We've been around enough that most people that we reach out to know what we're calling them for. In the beginning, we never approached it as a business, which is why we ended up having to take a break. Um, even like with, with the African Nipper blog, we were, we were doing ridiculously well, like numbers-wise, but we never structured it as a business. So every time I'd fly to Kenya, or I'd fly to Ghana, or I'd fly to South Africa, that was on my dime. So I was taking my, my salary, and funneling into the blog. And I was doing the same with Two Broke Trimbles. And I've always just been a big proponent of investing in, in what you wanted. Because I knew we were onto something. I just didn't know how to structure it at the time. So like I said, building the plane while we're flying it. I already had invested in some equipment for the African Hip Hop blog. It just, we just needed a few things here and there. And for the most part, it was also just in investing in, in the skills. Because blogging and podcasting are two very different mediums. So... We would spend um, late nights, like on YouTube, in the early days, figuring out how to edit podcasts, how to work. And if you go back and listen to the early episodes, they sounded horrible. And it was also advantageous that Dan's on radio and he was getting, going through workshops on how to record and best practices and how to edit and manage the soundboard and stuff because he was unable to transfer those skills to the podcast and myself because I'm also very competitive. So like if I, and we used to alternate. So like one week I'd edit, one week Dan would edit and I'd be listening and I'm like, yo, Dan really managed to get the noise gate better than mine this week. Okay, I need to figure out how to get these noise gates better. So now I'm online, combing through forums, like, and figuring out attack times for noise gates. And that's just how we taught, it, taught each other. It's also, so the beauty of things like podcasts is it's a relatively low bar to entry, honestly. I mean, you do have to invest, obviously. But it's not like you have to buy a whole TV studio, for example, you know? So if you, if you get, for example, just mics, you get yourself just mics, You've, you've already got a good starting point, assuming you have some way to edit the podcast, right? But of course, at the same time, you need to pay for the website, pay for the hosting, and then, you know, you're recording and then pay for whatever editing software you use because we don't pirate here no. in Zimbabwe. No piracy. So, the thing, so you do have to invest something, but I think a lot of people use that as, oh, I would love to start a podcast, but I don't have mics. Honestly, use your phone. You could, if you use, like, if you used your phone and you were a little bit smart about where you position yourself and how you place the phone or how you place the earpiece or whatever it is, you can get good enough audio. Mm. Or if you spend 30, 40 bucks on a USB mic. That's even too much. You've, you've got something that, that will work mm. fine. Your, your audio quality might not be as great as, you know, multi-million dollar studios, but the average listener won't really notice it that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as time goes, as you earn a little bit more money, as you invest more, then you can buy a little bit more equipment. So I, I would say a lot of people spend too much or, or, or rather a little bit too fixated on the idea of I need the best equipment. You just need good equipment. You just need good yeah. equipment, the very bare minimum, and then build on top of yeah, it. I wouldn't even say good equipment. So there's, I think, offhand, I can remember three episodes that we did using a phone. Mm-hmm. Two of those episodes were backstage interviews at a concert. So you can imagine... The audio nightmare is there. Up until two years ago, yeah, up until two years ago, every episode that we recorded that wasn't at the radio studio was recorded on a three-pack of mics that I bought from Amazon in 2015 for $40. So that's like, those are $12 mics. And what do you $12.50, $12.66. 
It's okay. It's okay, Rainman. It's okay. <laughs> Go count those cards over there. So, like I said, Dan had recorded the first three episodes. And before that, like, we were very meticulous. So, we'd try and do research and then we'd, like, you know, craft bullet points or whatever. And, I, and I'd send them through to Dan, like, yo, let's try cover this in the interview. Part, maybe that's also part of my micromanaging tendency. Uh, and then Dan had done an interview with Metaphysics. So, I had traveled to Harare. I got there that Friday afternoon. Were well, you not there for the Metaphysics? No, I wasn't. Um, you were alone. And then on Fridays back in the day, Dan used to play touch rugby at Old Harare. So, I got there while they were playing. And then he was like, yeah, as you can see, look at that physique. Look at, look at that physique. Huh? Kenya Sevens, you guys can't touch this guy. You guys can't touch this guy. So yeah, so Dan was playing and then he's like, yo, hear the files, give him a listen. So I put it in and I was listening to the episode and then Metaphysics went into this deep conversation about, without getting too distracted, there was a song on an old album that I did with Metaphysics did with the Wu-Tang Clan and he was giving the backstory of that and some of that backstory I didn't even know, but it was, it was on a project that we had worked on. And there was also like this, this, this talk about these adventures he'd had meeting with like bands like Metallica, and traveling the world and just incredible Un untold stories like untold literally stories. never been told but they're such they're such impactful stories i kid you not i started crying and i was like this is exactly what i wanted this to be and I, so, so literally from the first episode i knew we wanted something i have to say as well like for me my brain was very much in radio mode which is you know get the introduction say the right thing you only have a limited amount of time to say what you need to say mm. and then give the other person then if he's getting off track you know you need to try and bring him back so it was a little bit of a it took a while to rewire the thought process that for a podcast i mean or at least for the style of podcast we're doing it's mm. we're trying to just have a free-flowing conversation it's not as structured as radio is uh, so it took a while to sort of get that mindset away from now we are going to talk to this artist go on and I think at some point, I'm trying to think when it really, when, when, it, when the penny really dropped for me. Because after every, it's, it's so weird because we would record the episode. We would obviously go through it while we're editing it. And then after it drops, I would listen to the whole episode again. And I actually found myself enjoy as if, as if I'm a casual listener, a fan of the podcast. Like, oh, that was nice. But I mean, I was there when it was recorded. I listened through it when I was editing. And the other thing, both Phil and myself have been very meticulous with the editing, which now that we've, you know, been looking for people to help out or helping other podcasts as well also do the same thing and, and helping other podcasts sort of come up with their own formula, realize that that's kind of a rare thing. I, you know, I would want to hear every word and make sure the audio quality is good. There's no problems. There's no issues, you know, and, and Phil does the same. Like we're, we're so, we were so invested in the, the quality of the podcast sounding good. And listening back to it, it would be like a point of pride that oh, that sounded clean that sounded great whenever it didn't probably most people wouldn't notice but it would just be there in the back of my head that oh i can't believe there was those three words that kind of sounded muffled in the podcast and i think that played a role i think there's some people that appreciated the quality of the podcast but again i would counsel against being that invested in, in the micromanaging as phil has said because I mean, that makes things a lot more difficult. If you can just put out quality, try to keep the quality at a good level and then just work on yeah. putting it out. But I, I think the fact that both of us were very invested in the quality of it each time played a big difference, played a huge role because we were only used to good quality from the big players. And the assumption was, if it's someone just doing a podcast or a YouTube video, it's going to be bad quality. And I think it was a bit of a surprise to people that, oh, this actually sounds good. You know, we were, we were getting quoted in newspapers and... Someone would take a snippet of it and play it on a radio show and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think when someone, I can't remember who it was, there was a, a radio DJ on, I think it was DJ Munya on, uh, on the radio station that I was at. I did a show once a week. He took a snippet of our podcast to play on air as part of a talking 
point or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, like one of the reasons we took a break was my mental health was in the crapper. By the uh, way, he's mentioned the break three a uh, couple of times now. So we were at the peak of our podcast and then we took a break that was meant to be a couple of months. So the, the whole idea is, oh, okay, things are a bit hectic right now. Let's take a break. And it ended up being a year and a half of like not doing the podcast. Anymore, almost so. two years. It was, yeah, yeah. it was almost two years. Yeah. And part of the reason why we had to take a break was there was just a lot happening in my life. And because my mental health wasn't well, wasn't right already, I was just making a lot of bad decisions that were not only affecting my life, but also affecting the brand and a lot of things. It then became this like compounding effect where some days I couldn't get out of bed. You know, um, some days I was literally contemplating suicide. There were days I was a whisker away from doing it. And I started therapy and then, you know, like it's like a, a weird thing where like you've been suffering all your life and then you figure, oh, wait, I didn't really have to suffer that much. And it was just this massive weight was lifted. And I, and I was like, if this is how I feel, I need to be honest with the people that listen about what I've been through and what I'm going through. So we never even started, we, when we came back, it wasn't even a, an intentional thing to like, we need to talk about it. It was just me being honest with the audience saying, hey guys, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing because we, we also like try to build a relationship with our audience. And through those conversations, they started resonating with our listeners. They were like, yo, we really appreciate the fact that you're talking about mental health. Can you please do more on that? And then we realized, okay, there, there seems to be a need for this. How can we incorporate it into the show? And then we started doing that. And then the universe being the universe, I had spoken to Dan about it as well. And I was like, I really think, I really want to figure out how we can incorporate mental health into the podcast. And then the person that we both know, Chiedza, approached me and she was like, if you want this, I happen to know a way we can work it out. And then she introduced us to one of our sponsors. They, they hopped on board and we sent through a pitch deck and they've been massive, massively supportive. So shout out to Bon V for, for helping us. And so that's what birthed the mental health segment. But it was, it was literally just born out of experience and it resonating with our listeners. When it started out, it was just a section. The idea was we bring a therapist on to answer questions from the audience. And it was part of the main show. And as time went on, we started realizing that that segment was getting longer and longer and longer. And the show was getting, I think there was one time we dropped, I think like the Anele episode, cause it was, cause we, we did an interview with Anele and then we had to interview the organizer of the Samas. And then we had the mental health segment plus the week's discussion. And that episode was like four hours. And then even like, cause it is, it's always been an internal fight between Dan and I like, Dan is like, yo, these episodes are getting too long. And I would always be like, if it's good content, I don't care how long it is because I always listen to long episodes. This was because at this point, I was the one doing the yeah. editing. And then <laughs> even I was like, you know what? That last episode was too long. <laughs> I was like, okay, we need to start splitting this up because it's not making sense. So, so it became its own. So right now we have, we basically have two podcasts that come out each week. One is a mental health discussion. It's a lot more serious. I mean, we're still ourselves, you know, and we still joke around and have a good time, but it's a little bit more of a serious discussion. We actually bring on therapists and specialists and medical practitioners and whatever. And we discuss like serious issues. Sometimes we answer the audience's question. Some people write in with very serious. We were quite shocked. We thought a lot of people would send in messages like, oh, huh, my boyfriend said I'm fat. Oh, it made me sad. But like literally people who had like really deep existential kind of discussions, which was like, wow, I can't believe people are really trusting us like this. And we, you know, we bring on professionals to answer those questions. And it became its own thing with its own like space and followers and so on as a separate podcast. And then we have our regular podcast, which, by the way, also evolved over time from being mainly based on interviews with, you know, major characters. I think we reached a stage where we're like, I think we've interviewed everyone mm. pretty much. And then 
Yeah. Now it was just us talking. And yeah, also from 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 my standpoint, it was also a discussion that we're having with Dan is I also didn't want the podcast to be too dependent on who the guests are because it then it diminishes the value of our brand and what we bring to the table. So I, I was always well, and we we're always trying to figure out ways, okay. How do we keep the podcast entertaining, but not be so guest reliant? And the major concern was if we stop bringing on the guests, are we going to maintain our number? And when we started experimenting with it, the episodes that started resonating more were actually Dan and I just talking smack with each other as opposed to the interviews, um, which surprised both of us to a degree. And I'm like, okay, so now we've got a hybrid where we can literally do anything and it gives us creative freedom to do whatever we want another thing is like we we have the luxury of if a publicist calls us if we don't want to interview that artist we're not going to interview them which is very rare because even they're like wait are you saying no i'm like yeah we don't Thanks, thanks, but no thanks, eh? No, we don't. We Hope don't you have a great day. day. And even there, they're like, this is confused. Cannot compute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Just just to add something to, to something that Phil said earlier, we had started with every episode was a, an interview, you know, and we were, we were also worried, like, what if the person doesn't come through? Uh, so we always tried to keep, like, maybe we had, like, two or three interviews in, 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 in the cut, you know? So we're like, we're going to record this week, but this comes out in two weeks because we're recording, we're putting out last week's. Because we're always so worried about you know, what if we make a booking with a guest to come through and then they don't come through and then we don't have an, uh, an, an interview. And then that's actually what caused us to start doing just us in uh, podcasts. Because it was like, well, this week we were supposed to have an interview, but they canceled on us. So uh, what's up? And it actually worked out, like Phil said. And at the time, I remember thinking more people enjoy, uh, people seem to enjoy us talking. But our big issue is discoverability. So my thought process was, if we do guests, the fans of that guest will discover the podcast. But we must also do our own interview because that's what people seem to enjoy. So I propose to Phil, what if we do, you know, alternating episodes? So this week we have a guest, next week it's just us. This week we have a guest, next week it's just us. And as time went on, it eventually evolved into, I mean, we can have a guest or we can't have, we might or we might not. Depends if we think it will add to the podcast mm -hmm. or not. And I think that's the best place to be in because now it's like, it's no longer about, oh, we're doing it because the audience. Now it's just, hey, we're just putting out a show. Well, we know of only one podcast in Zimbabwe. Wait, there's more than one podcast in Zimbabwe? <laughs> Apparently. I don't know what she's talking about. Weird. <laughs> Weird. No, <I'm> <laughs> yeah, from, from my side, I definitely have been seeing, um, even before we started our podcast, because a lot of people credit us. Look, look at me. Look at me saying a lot of people. Like <laughs> no, but a, a few people do credit us as being like the pioneers. And I, we're not. Radio Kunakira was doing this long before us. I remember listening to Radio Kunakira episodes years before we were podcasting. I remember listening to Larry's podcast long before we were podcasting. So they've been doing it longer. I think we've had the, the, the benefit of having the most longevity and we've managed to grow our audience because I'm a numbers geek so I'm always crunching the numbers and I, I have like three different sources cooking the numbers <laughs> so I, I'll be I'll be I'll be looking at our, our analytics and I'm like okay I need to verify that these are true so then I'll run it through Google and then I'll have a third party and then I'll be going through like the first party data from Spotify and Apple Music and for, for what like there was a time like when we started out and Dan's mentioned it a couple of times where there was some issue with our host. So for like the first few episodes when we returned, like our numbers were mad low. Like before we left, I think we were doing like 2,500 a week, which wasn't amazing at the time, but we we're like, great. And then we, we dropped down to single digits. And we we're like, whew, have we lost that, that much? Like have we gone, gone out that far out of touch? I, I, imagine, <laughs> imagine you've done a podcast for, I don't know, at the time, maybe it was like two and a half years or so. And then we take a break. At the, at the end of it, we're doing maybe 10,000 listeners a month. I yeah. mean, it's okay. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's not great. But it's also validated numbers because when we go out, and, and this isn't even an hour, like I'd go to Joburg and people be like, two broke trippers! 
<laughs> and then when we come back, we're like, okay, it's been a while. Oh, is our audience still there? I don't know. Okay, let's put it out. Boom. Three listeners. Like, oh, okay, you know, first week, you know, okay. we gotta keep people on the way back. I don't know, you know. <laughs> let's put the word out, you know. Let me invest in some ads. So, you know, you know, let's, let's do something. Let's go, let's go, let's try again, Dan. Let's go, let's go. Next week, let's go. Then 10. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You know, we knew it was gonna be hard work. <laughs> let me, let, 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 let's do this. Let's leverage relationships. So I'm calling up people. Hey, can you share the link? Can you do this? Can you do that? Third episode, 50 listeners. At some point, I was like, okay, no, this doesn't make sense because I've literally spoken to multiple people that said, ah, oh, you guys are back. I mean, where are those people's numbers? Yeah. So yeah. Then, then, then I got in contact with support and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, we've got an issue. We're fixing it. I was like, okay, fine. So it, while that was happening, that's when I started like making sure that we were getting first party data from Apple, first party data from Spotify, first party data from Stitcher, first party data from TuneIn, plus multiple platforms. So, so now like when I send out numbers, I can verify them from multiple sources and we are definitely number one in the country. So it, it, it's been hard work. In fact, we've been rambling. What was the question again? You, like I totally forgot the question. <laughs> well, in short, basically birds are better than cats. That's what oh, we Oh, podcasting scene, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fix this in post. So, <laughs> so the podcasting scene, it's growing. I would not say it's healthy because for the most part, outside of like NGO funding, I think we're pretty much the only podcast who have private companies sponsoring us. Like, and that's a problem. I can't think of any quote-unquote podcast studios in the city, in the country. So Phil is talking about it, obviously, from a, like a, a podcast actually making money. You know, there's, there's several podcasts that are out that we know of that seem to be doing well. Just to give a, a couple of shout-outs, um, Feeling Station is one that's doing well. It's, uh, the, the host is not in Zim, but he's very much connected to Zimbabwe and sometimes interviews Zimbabweans and so on and so on. Uh, Six Foot Weights is another one that seems to be doing pretty well. The more podcasts that come up, the more people get into the culture of podcasting, yeah. the more people start taking it seriously. Because I I've had this conversation with so many people and I, I don't know why it's so difficult to wrap their heads around. Some of the most popular newspapers in... In, in the country right now, their circulation is lower than our podcast. And we, if you compare charges, for example, in terms of advertising, you'd be like, okay, first of all, first of all, your newspaper could be going to someone who can't afford your product. If someone's listening to a podcast, chances are they can afford your product. And there's so many more, you, know, you would know, I mean, you have a podcast, there's so many advantages to advertising to a podcast audience. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just, the more people get into it, the more people understand it. We've helped, Phil and myself have helped podcasts get off the ground. We may not know everything, but the struggle, the, the struggle we slogged through, you don't have to do it because we can tell you do this instead of that. And we've done that with several, we've helped several podcasts. Unfortunately, because the money is so difficult, I think it's hard for them to keep going. Just recently, Suds and the Morning stopped, which was a very popular podcast. One that we were, we were very hands-on in helping them get off the ground. I mean, ultimately, you have to make money out of it. And even today, even though we have sponsorship, I would say our most reliable source of income is our listeners donating. And as much as that's appreciated, like imagine if, if you started a TV station and you're like, hey, no, we don't need advertising. It's just, if you like the TV station, send us some money. I mean, come on, man. And, yeah, Yo. and even within that, there's so many hurdles like it being in Africa. So for like our website, we have a payment a portal, but it goes to PayPal. PayPal doesn't work in Zimbabwe. So whenever we get PayPal, we either have to use that PayPal money for an online purchase or I then have to send it to a third party who then will remit it to me. And every step of the way, we're getting charges. So we're losing about 15 to 20% of our revenue from donations just to that alone. Sanctions. Sanctions. Yes. They're killing the youth. Please. 
They move sanction. That's really difficult. No, no, no. Please, no, no. Okay, I'm realizing this is going to an audience that might not understand the nuances. Okay. In Zimbabwe, that's a common conversation. So we are making a joke about it. This no, is not a but they move sanction. No, I mean, who cares? <laughs> I care. <laughs> I think right now our definition of success for the podcast has been if we have enough revenue for the podcast where we can afford to not do anything else that month, we're happy with that. Um, we're not, Dan and I, we're not overly materialistic. I think I'm a little more materialistic than him. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I'm not looking at this as some sort of... Um, get rich scheme. Get rich scheme. Yeah. I see it as one piece in a, in, in a bigger cog, which is like building the media landscape documenting Zimbabwean and then African stories. It helps w with my agency and the work we do because now when, I, when I'm pitching to clients for agency work, I always just throw in, hey, by the way, you want to reach 200,000 people for an extra X amount of dollars? And they're like, yeah, sure, because they've already approved the budget. And then bam, we're now doing that. So it, it helps in that regard. But for me, success is allowing the podcast to grow to a point where it sustains us because we're also tired. Like Dan and I amongst us, I think we have like 75 jobs between us. It's tiring. Look at my eyes. <laughs> Look at my eyes. I, I need to sleep, man. I need to sleep. You know, when we started the podcast, we were in the trenches. We were connected. We knew what was up. We were, hey, everything that's happening on the streets, we there. If there's a, an event, a gig, a concert, we are there. If there's a party, invite us. We're coming. Man, you know, this is like 10 years later, you know, like... No, I'm still, I'm still hitting and happening. I'm in the streets. I know what's going down on the job. My man's just now was putting on some eye drops. <laughs> still happy, hip and happening, huh? I haven't slept all week. That's what I'm saying. Because I've been in the streets. <laughs> My point is, we've, we've matured and grown. Um, our audience has also matured and grown. But there's a new audience that are down there. They're, they're where yeah. everything's happening. That's what's going on. But we've got some experience and we've got some... I would love, for me, success would be if we can, in which way, whichever way, if it's a mentorship arrangement or if it's a business arrangement, if it's, if it's a way of creating these different platforms that connect to the new uh, generation, that connect to a different group of people that are connected to the streets and so on. And I've been saying this to Phil. I was like, Phil, you know what? The style of podcast we do, we aren't going to do this forever, dude. You know what I mean? At some point, we're going to be too old and disconnected to be having conversations about, Haha, did you hear what this artist said to that artist? You know what I mean? Because it's now going to be, our. if we do continue the, con the podcasts indefinitely, at some point, we're obviously with our growth and our maturity, we're going to reach that level. But there's still that whole conversation. And both Phil and I, are, we're super passionate about the arts and music and creatives and the industry that surrounds it. I think you'd be hard pressed to find people in Zim and honestly in Southern Africa as a whole that are as knowledgeable or as passionate about music in the region, for example. For me, success would be if we can use the platform that we've already started to create something that helps the artists and is going to continue even after us. I'll call you back. I'm in the middle of a recording. You're going to just decline? Wow. You know, I'm, I'm all about being authentic. I really do Being authentic. In he has no <laughs> home training. You know. Person was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what was I saying? Yes, long story short, cigarettes are bad for the lungs. But ultimately, if you're addicted to them, what are you going to do? <laughs> Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. But how hilarious are those two? Like... <laughs>
I spent the entire conversation just like choking on laughter. They are definitely two of the funniest people I know and I know only five funny people in my life. Dan and Phil are two of them. I really actually enjoy their podcast. It's one of those that I do listen to, especially the podcast episodes around mental health. I think they do it fantastically. It's such a resource. They bring a lot of experts in. What I've done is I've put a link to their podcast in the show notes. Do check it out. Give it a listen. I think it's important for us to listen to other African podcasts because it helps us learn more about each other and in doing so learn more about ourselves as Africans. Give their podcast a listen. Another thing I want to share is that season three of our video series is out. Woot woot. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> so episode one is out. It's a fantastic episode that features Elia Min, who is an amazing tattoo artist based right here in Kenya. And this season is dedicated to celebrating dope African creatives. So for this particular episode, I got a new tattoo. So in the episode, you'll actually see Elia Min giving me my latest tattoo, which is the word freedom that goes right down my spine. Where? See, it's painful. <laughs> Now, I have many tattoos, but the spine is something else, my friends. It is, it's cute as fuck, but where? <laughs> so I put a link in the show notes to our YouTube channel. You can go and check out Eliamin's episode. It's pretty awesome. His story is so inspiring. He came from Mombasa after he finished his Form 4, was hawking selling all manner of things on the streets of Nairobi and he takes us through that journey to right now where he runs three tattoo studios and that's just a bit of the stuff he does in the art world so definitely a story worth and he's just good energy way I'm just remembering how we laughed throughout and I've known him from before he's done a couple other tattoos of mine and it's always a riot when he's around actually I know six funny people Eliamin is the same is the sixth. Remember as well, if you want to share your story on this podcast, August is our story recording season. So in the show notes, there's a link to a Google form, fill it out and I will get back to you. It doesn't matter where in the world you are because we can record it in person if you're here in Nairobi or virtually if you're outside of Nairobi. Catch this podcast on Trace FM if you're in Kenya every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 1pm and 11pm. Just go to traceradio.co.ke for a list of all the frequencies in case you want to tune in the nice old-fashioned way okay that's it with this episode let me go enjoy night number two in my new house you know i sing when i'm happy so if this is like your first time listening to the podcast yeah that's what's happening <laughs> it might be a bit confusing but that's what's happening i'm just i'm so proud of myself what this is bananas eh <laughs> anyway let me go sleep that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.